Good morning, and welcome to the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Rick Jay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Cary, North Carolina. Today is Monday, May 1st, 2023. We are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter Into Action on page 78, the second paragraph, beginning with Most Alcoholics Owe Money and reading through If We Are Afraid to Face Them. Today's readers are Morgan K. in the 12 Steps, Margie, the 12 Traditions, our big book readers are Craig F. for the text, Judith S.P. on page 164, and Nancy R. is our backup reader. Our newcomer greeter is Colleen M., and our second hour moderator is Janice P.M. The share ID for Sunday, April 30th, 2023, is 20,209. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. At a vision for you big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Here are the steps we took, which were suggested as a program of recovery. I will now ask Morgan Kay to read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, everyone. This is Morgan Kay, and these are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, was entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Morgan. I will now ask Margie to read the 12 traditions of OA. This is Marge E., gratefully uh, abstinent and recovered from Massachusetts, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first, 
personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Marge. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes at the end of which I'll give you a gentle reminder. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. Directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to remute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter Into Action on page 78, the second paragraph, beginning with, Most alcoholics owe money, and reading through, If We Are Afraid to Face Them. I will now ask Craig F. to begin reading. Okay, this is uh, Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thank you. Uh, most Most alcoholics owe money. We do not dodge our creditors. Telling them what we're trying to do, we make no bones about our drinking. They usually know it anyway, whether we think so or not. Nor are we afraid of disclosing our alcoholism on the theory it may cause financial harm. Approached in this way, the most ruthless creditor will sometimes surprise us. Arranging the best deal we can, we let these people know we're sorry. Our drinking has made us slow to pay. We must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go, for we are liable to drink 
if we are afraid to face them. Okay. Um, you know, when I uh, when I got abstinent again this little six and a half years ago, I, I had uh, already cleaned up most of this, um, uh, the financial problems and the, the creditors. But when I came into program, when I when I first got sober, first got abstinent, which was 32 years ago, my God, uh, I I was coming in on the heels of a divorce. And and I owed a lot of money. I owed a hundred grand in unsecured debt. And the first thing that I that had to happen for me was I had to quit blaming other people for being in the situation I was in. It was her fault. It was my ex-wife's fault. And and you know she had some she had a part in it, but so did I. And so I first thing I had to do was take responsibility. You know, I had to quit blaming the court. You know, they, they, you know, it wasn't fair that they assigned me all of this debt. Well, it doesn't matter. It was what it was, and 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 I had a part in creating it, and I had a part in uh, in the fact that it was there. And uh, you know, uh, the second thing I had to realize as I progressed into this was that I'd made a decision to turn my life and will over to the care of God as I understood him. You know, I, I, if I truly had met what I said in step three, that um, I had to start living my life uh, as though I had done that. Um, and, and I had to start trusting God that he had a solution for all this, that, that uh, it wasn't going to be by the force of my will or, you know, my hard work that I was, although, you know, my hard work needed to happen and my will had to be aligned with God's, but what what was going to work this out was God. What was going to work this out was was uh, God's grace. And, and, I, and, and I did what the book says here. I, I started to face my creditors, and I said, uh, I told them uh, what I could do and what I was willing to do. And, you know, it... it I couldn't. I was desperate at the time. I was, you know, uh, hurt and I was uh, um, afraid, and I couldn't really always see it, except in retrospect that I could see God's hand work things out, you know. And that and that and that debt knot that I had slowly untied, and uh, I got those things, those uh, bills paid off. And uh, and and worked walked out a free man, and you know, had I not done that, had I not faced up to that, thank you. If I had not faced up to that, if I'd have kept this as a secret, um, uh, and kept the guilt and shame inside myself, I know that it that uh, I would have never walked a free man in any way, and I may have still struggled with with the food off and on, but. Uh, uh, I, I was able to walk in, in, in this respect, walk with my head up, and and uh, that's uh, that's important and uh, part of growing up and part of my recovery. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thanks so much for getting this started, Craig. Okay, before we get our first group of names, just a reminder that although we value everyone's experience, we ask that you please limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. 
Please give me your first name only and the first initial of your last name. Who would like to share on what was read today? Anne Marie K. Linda D. Mary K. Nessa R. Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay. Nancy so here's R. who I've, I've got so far. Uh, Nancy R. So Anne Marie, um, Linda, Larry. Nessa, Nancy, all right, and uh, let's see, maybe uh, one or two more, and if I missed you, go ahead and let me know if you already put your name out there and I didn't get it. All right, we'll go with these names, um, and uh, please include the initial of your last name in the state you're from. I've got, um, was somebody just trying to get on there? No, I was just saying Riska R. from Baltimore. Uh, what was your first name, sorry? Riska, R-I-V-K-A. Okay. All right, so Anne-Marie, you're up first, followed Lee by... H. Lee H. Okay, that's it. Uh, followed by Linda D. Go ahead, Anne-Marie. And, uh, Good morning. Your Good morning, everybody. It's Anne Marie Kay. I'm in Pennsylvania, and I'm grateful to be recovered today, but not cured. I really um, it's hard to hear that we must lose our fear of creditors, no matter how far down we have gone. Um, the funny thing about this that I that I recognize and I relate to was when I did my first inventory, I didn't quite understand the whole idea of institutions, and I was so in denial. I think of this particular thing that. Um, I thought, oh, well, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, because I was really so focused on resentments and other things that I lost sight of these little tiny stealings that I did as uh, as an addict. And I always believe today that, that my higher power lets me know when it's time to work on something. But I was a teacher, and um, I used to travel between buildings, and I used to have to, uh, you know, bring my materials home, and then I was therefore always allowed to bring other materials home. But I had a tendency to bring things home uh, that were, somebody didn't have to go out and buy them, so to speak, you know. And when I retired, and of course I retired 15 years ago, and it dawned on me <laughs> only two years ago that, um, gee, you know, there's a lot of things around the house here that uh, thank God to my school district that uh, I didn't have to go out and purchase. And that's when it dawned on me, hey, this is a restitution you have to make. And I thought, well, how am I going to handle this? And thank God for meetings I'd gone and heard other people share what they did. And, you know, the thing of it is I went to my school and I said, hey, you know, I, I gave them an idea of what happened. And I said, I'd like to do this. And I, it, 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 again, the free, what comes upon when we, when we take that risk. And, you know, I remember as a kid being growing up Catholic, always thinking the priest was going to give me uh, something that I have to go in front of the whole congregation and tell them that, you know, that I, I stole or I had an impure thought. <laughs> and it never was that way because what happens, the truth sets you free. It's those those cliches, if they if you will, are so true. Anyway, I took care of the of the payments. I, you know, I kind of kind of figured out about, about what I know. And I and I gave it to the school. And I said, you know, I wanted to give it back to the kids. That, that was the thing. I love my students. And, you know, if there was any shame involved with it, it was a short-lived shame, but the freedom was wonderful. And it also opened the door to recognize other little half-truths 
or other little, um, gee, I didn't tell them that uh, you gave me a dollar too much kind of thing. And I realized these were all the kind of thinking that would keep me in the food. So today I'm so grateful for that, the ability to have an examination of conscience, if you would. In many ways I laugh about it. I think, well, I guess I was brought in to this way of thinking really in my early uh, religious background in as much as, you know, I did have to tell someone else. But today it's not a fear or a recrimination. Instead, it's a delight to say, you know what? I think I may have messed up here, Lord. I need your help to reconcile those things. And with that, I'll say have a great day, everybody, unless you've made other plans. Bye, Pat. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Linda D., you're up next, followed by Larry Kay. Go ahead, Linda. Good morning, everybody. Boy, I'm glad to talk to you and listen to you. My name is Linda D., and I'm recovered, but I'm not cured in Connecticut. What do I want to say about this? In general, um, I came into the program when I was 38 years old. I was uh, truly a little kid in an adult body, and I had an awful lot to learn. And this is a, now I know, this is a disease that made me fearful in every single department of life. I didn't know that. I just knew I was scared stiff. I'm glad I was so scared because I did what I was told. Not always, but usually. I did what I was told, and I still do what, I, what I'm told. And if I don't, I'm going to bump into a reality that's ugly, really ugly. I wouldn't trade almost anything in my life. No, I wouldn't trade anything in my life for my relationship with God, my relationship with the truth, my relationship with myself, and my relationship with you. I have a relationship with all humanity. Do I like everybody? No. Do they like me? Probably not. Missing a great person, but what can I tell you? Because that's what God chiseled out of this piece of marble. A really good human being. Money is a scary thing. I have paid off a lot of it. And there's stuff I haven't paid off. And I have it all listed. I'm ready to go. When I'm not dumbstruck by the economy. Because it's... uh, (laughs) Very scary out there, and yet I have a wonderful life, and 99% of my life is wonderful. That 1% really sucks, but then you know about that, right? The point is, recover. there's no choice, number one, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I love, love, love recovery. It really, truly works. Get in the boat. It's such a wonderful trip. I pass. Uh, thank you, Lindy. Glad to be in the boat with you, sister. All right, Larry. Larry Kay, you're up, brother. Get in the oh, boat. Buddy. Hey, Rick, good morning. Uh, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. You know, what strikes me about this paragraph in Owing Money, um, there cannot be change without loss. 
So uh, there can't be change until I put down the food. And when I put down the food, it feels like a great loss. And change can, 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 can only take place in the here and now. We cannot change the past. We owe money. We can't change that. We made poor decisions as I did. I can't change that. And it's like, um, the, you know, the, the, the analogy I would use, it's like I heard the fire alarm going off, just like the people on 9-11 in Tower 2. Tower 2, about 130 feet away, Tower 1 was hit. And, and people in Tower 2, they saw the smoke and all that. And, and what we hear is, is many people, the fire alarms in Tower 2 went off. They were blaring, just like the fire alarm. I owe money, blaring. And many people in Tower 2 did not head toward the emergency exit. I can relate. I did not either. They went to meetings. They made calls. They busied themselves. They, they looked towards other people, similarly paralyzed people like me, for a sign to move, you know, for a sign to do something in the now. And like those who lost their lives on 9-11, and I don't blame them, but we too in OA can hear the fire alarm going off. And we're repeatedly warned to take action, head toward the emergency exit before tragedy occurs. But, you know, for me, feeling a sense of apathy, it's only, yeah, I hear the fire alarm, but I, but I, owe, it's, I owe money. I'm going to wait till I feel better. I'm going to look around and wait for the right moment and, and before I head towards safety. And so that because, you know, it, it, I feel reassured if I stay put. Remember, all change comes with loss. To give up some money now, even if I owe it, comes with loss. You know, and I, so I resist change. And I hesitate in the face of change because I fear that loss of putting down the food, of paying money that I owe, of heading to the emergency exit. I feel a sense of apathy. See, today what the steps do is they allow me to see that, that what the steps do is they... They enable us to become untangled so I, I regain the world that I had lost so I can come to life. And that's what the steps do. And that's why I'm grateful for the change that occurs in my life when I take action now. When I hear that emergency, when I hear that uh, fire alarm, I, I act today. I take an action. With that, I pass. Thanks, for. Thank you, Larry. All right, Nessa, are you up next, followed by Nancy R. Go ahead, Nessa. Hi, good morning. This is for you. This is Nessa R., recovered compulsive <clears throat> overeater, <clears throat> excuse me, in Toronto, Canada. Um, I haven't been able to be live on the line for a little bit because of a temporary change in my schedule. And so I'm so grateful today to be live and to be sharing and to be listening to new voices and to familiar voices. Um, you know, financial amends, I only had three to make. Um, and they follow, they, they fell in the, you know, all three categories, easy amends, you know, medium difficulty amends, and really hard amends. Um, and they all fell, and there is the reason that they had a common denominator, the same reason for all of them is I felt entitled. I felt entitled and justified in taking that money. And um, only as a result of my work in the steps uh, in unblocking myself from God was I able to I'm entitled to anything. Um, and there's no justification from 
you know, for, for doing what I, what I want, when I want, how I want, um, you know, especially when it's not um, aligned with God's will for me, for the world, for how things should run. Um, and, you know, having made them um, instilling me a new sense of truly rigorous honesty, because who wants to make financial uh, amends um, again? I mean, who wants to make any amends? But uh, um, I just wanted to avoid those like the plague, and it made me totally rigorously honest. Honest, Like, you know, um, one of the, the easiest amends I had to make was for coming across the U.S.-Canada border without declaring um, purchases that were exceeding the, the, the maximum allowances. But now, whenever I come across the border, I declare everything. And, and the beauty is, so far, I have never been asked to, to pay anything. So who knows? You know, back then, if I had made that, those declarations, maybe I wouldn't have uh, had to pay anything. But because I didn't declare them, I did come with, with money to, to the Revenue Canada Agency, and I, and I made amends. Um, they didn't know what to do with me. So I just said, you know, just take the money and do whatever you want with it. But um, even things like, you know, if I ding another car, I'm parking my car and, and I don't notice that the car is too close and I ding it, um, that is, that is a, a financial amend that I have to make. I leave a note on the car and I say, you know, I ding your car, this is my number, you know, call me and we'll, we'll square it away. And then uh, I don't have to be afraid of anything or anyone, you know, and, and more importantly, I have nothing um, – weighing on my conscience that can drive me to the food and that's the warning that we're given in this paragraph thank you we must face uh, lose fear of predators because we're liable to drink again i know that that um that way can drive me back into the food and i don't want to go there again i don't want to lose what i have for for just a few dollars even for all the money in the world and with that i pass thank you Hey, thank you, Nancy. Nancy R., you're up next, followed by Arista R. Go ahead, Nancy. Good morning. It's Nancy R. from Northwest um, Illinois. I'm a recovered compulsive operator. Grateful. Um, I haven't shared in a while at this meeting, so I wanted to um, just uh, claim my seat. And um, the reading this um, brought up uh, the amends that I needed to make um, for not my um, finance, I don't, I didn't have creditors that I owed money to in, in that sense. Um, but I, as I grew up, I often stole change and dollar bills from my, both my dad's job as a dresser where he kept his change and then my mom's change purse um, in the kitchen drawer. And um, that was all to buy food. Um, and buy food at the local uh, store um, to binge on and to buy food at uh, high school cafeteria to binge on. And um, wasn't a lot of money and it wasn't a lot of food, but it was certainly um, my compulsiveness and my dishonesty and something I needed to make amends for and make right. So in making those amends as an adult, um, my parents um, are no longer alive and it wasn't something that while they are alive I made amends directly to them for so 
um, I have made amends to them in a spiritual way, knowing that they already know that I uh, <laughs> took money from them. And um, like, how could they not know? Like if I went to my wallet and there was money missing, I would know it. So, um, so um, that's very humbling. And then also um, the way that I um, repay them is by paying it forward and uh, giving it to those in need um, so that hopefully they can buy food to nourish themselves or pay for whatever it is that they need. So um, I'm grateful for that. It feels um, like a true amends. And uh, oh, and the other thing, this just happened Saturday morning. I was at the store and I bought two of something and they only charged me for one. And I get this little thrill over that. It was like a $3 item. <laughs> and I get this little thrill like, yay, damn the grocery stores. I got something for free. They charged me too much for everything anyway. And uh, I need to go back there today and pay them. Um, and so I'm grateful for that reminder today because I knew it on Saturday, but um, I liked the thrill and I wasn't going to do it. So I'm grateful for this program and this ongoing um, accountability and acceptance and surrender. Thanks. Perfect timing, Nancy. Rest R, you're up next, followed by Lee H. Go ahead. Hi, good morning. It's uh, Rivka R, compo- um, gratefully con- recovered in Baltimore. Um, and I, I am so grateful for all, all the shares. I didn't think I had much to share on this paragraph because I, I don't have like huge financial amends to make, and um, and it's always incredibly impressive and inspiring when I hear about people who do have these hundreds of thousands of dollars to to repay and and that they and they actually do it um but when i'm hearing all these shares it just was really um you know i thought about when i was i was uh, 20 years old and i was working in a 711 for like you know a month or two i mean i i didn't last very long there because um uh not my calling i was very bored and so um being a good compulsive overeater um, you know, we're supposed to pay for the candy that we, we buy as employees. And I started out, you know, the first few days actually paying for the candy that I was uh, eating from the, the store. Um, and uh, what happened was that I realized that I was using my entire um, salary there, or, you know, what they were, um, for candy, <laughs> that I was going to end up at the end of the month with nothing because I was, you know, just – constantly the candy bars so um i ended up sneaking them and just is you know just eating all the candy that i could possibly want anyway like i said i only ended uh, up lasting a month there but i probably ate probably i don't know two hundred dollars worth of candy bars during that month um and then when i was doing you know my my eighth and ninth step i i realized i i had to go and pay that money back um, I did. I couldn't even find where the store was anymore. I didn't even know them. This was like 40 years before. They didn't even know if they were there. Um, and I ended up you know, talking to my sponsor and giving the money to a, to a food shelter. Um, but what I what 
what really inspired me about this paragraph was that we must lose our fear. And I realized how much fear I have around money. I was all, I've always been living in a state of lack where I never had enough. There was, and, and you know, doing, doing this work, I was able to, to live in a state to, to change my mindset about money and what I have in my life, um, which is not, you know, I've, I've always had enough. I've always had a place to live. I've always had food to eat. And that I could live more in, a, in an abundance mindset, even though we're not, you know, not rich. We're, you know, live from, you know, um, it's not, uh, he, he, I don't have a lot of savings and money in the bank and all that. But I can look around and, and really be in a place where um, I can be grateful. Gentle reminder. Thank you so much. Anyway, being in that state of gratitude today for what I do have is such an amazingly wonderful place to live, and I'm so grateful. And uh, thanks so much. I pass. Thank you, Riska. Lee H., you're up next, and we'll get some more names. Go ahead, Lee. Good morning, Rick. This is Lee H. in Tennessee, and I'm so grateful to be here with all of you and these wonderful shares this morning. I really don't have anything new to add. But what came up for me was when um, I uh, got married and I was, um, we were, my husband and I were newlyweds and I was kind of down in the dumps one day and um, I said, I I think I'm just going to go out and and buy a new bathing suit. And and he kind of looked at me like, what? You mean you're you're depressed and and you're going to go buy a bathing suit? And you know, I look back on that. That was probably 45 years ago, but I still remember it because that was just the first sign of the disease. And it, it was the disease of more. And instead of you know, going out and, and, you know, borrowing a whole bunch of money from the bank, I, I wasn't able to do that. Um, I, I just nickeled and dimed uh, my husband to death. And over the years, he would he would look at the, the checkbook and say, man, you know, you you can find more ways just to spend five bucks here or 25 here. And um, it just, I, I had to really get honest about all of that when I got into this 12-step program and um, start really looking at why do I do that? And it was the same way with food. And it was always, I need a little bit more, just a little bit more. And I was miserable looking back, but I had no relationship with God, none. I thought I did, but um, I'm just so grateful for this program that has really helped me to simplify my life and to really get the most out of life that I can, out of life, not not out of material things, because my disease is like whack-a-mole. I get one, you know, food down, and then I'd go out and, and spend money, or I would, you know, do the go run track, you know, just to get exercise. So I'm just really thankful to be here. I'm thankful to hear all the shares because I learned so much, but I'm just mostly grateful um, that I have a higher power that I run to and that he meets all my needs as well. And so I just want to say thanks for letting me share, and I'll pass. Thank you, Lee. All right. Before we continue with our second group of names, we are in the chapter into action on page 78, the second paragraph, beginning with most alcoholics owe money and reading through if we are afraid to face them. 
And though we value everyone's experience, we ask that you please limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. Who else would like to share today? Deborah M. Adrienne in Boston. Okay, I've got. Here's what I've got. Okay. Um, I've got Deborah M, Katie G, Alexis S, and I know I missed a couple of you. I'm so sorry. Could you give me, if you've already given your name, please repeat your name if you haven't heard me call it. Audrey M in Ireland. Audrey? Yep. And Audrey R in Ireland, okay. And then who else besides Audrey? I heard another name. Kelly H. Kelly H. Got you, Kelly. All right. Let's stop there, and then we'll see where uh, where we're at, uh, if we have room for more. So here's who I've got. This is who I have so far. Deborah M., Katie G., Alexis S., Audrey R., and Kelly H. And who was the last person? Raquel. Who- Raquel from Israel. Raquel. Hey, Raquel. Yes. Um, Hi, got- how are you? Thanks good, good. All righty, so... Um, all right, Deborah, you're up first, followed by Katie. Go ahead, Deborah. Yes, hi, my name is Deborah M. I'm from Western New York, recovering food addict. Um, this I love this part of my walk through the twelve steps. When I am in my sixties, but when I was a teenager, I went out with a couple of kids and at the end of the day, when we had to get our pay for our bill, our food bill, um, my boyfriend didn't want to pay for it. And so we just walked out of this restaurant. And I, I, I can always remember that time that I didn't pay. But my job for the last 20 years had been driving past this restaurant every day. And every day I would stop at the red light and look at this restaurant and think that I was, um, what was going on was guilt. Should I make amends? What's, you know, this is ridiculous. Fighting with it all the time decided, okay, I'm going to try and make amends here. So I went to the restaurant, found out the owner had changed. They had changed hands. And um, they thought they knew the owner. I looked in some tax records and found out where the owner actually was. And I was able to reach out through a letter telling what I had done probably 50-some years earlier. And I got a, um, a about my phone number, and uh, I got a call from this man's son and was astonished they had other restaurants now astonished that I would do something like this and um, he said he explained it to his father who was in a nursing home how deeply they were touched that it had made his father's day and they sent me a gift certificate to the restaurant they owned and then later the son reached out to me and said the father had died that week and I just was so grateful that I followed through and for whatever reason, making amends really gave joy to this man who was um, about to pass on. So I'll, I'll never forget that and understand how important amends are no matter when you make them. So thank you. That's all, and I pass. Thank you so much, Deborah. Katie G., you're up next, followed by Alexis S. Go ahead, Katie. Hey, friend. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G. Recovered in Boston. I guess, um, you know, I've never been chased by creditors, but what this is talking to me about is misuse of God's resources, right? Like for a long time, I talked about 
I owe them money, but it's not my money, right? It's God's money. It's God's money that I was um, using and abusing, and it's their money that I owe. So I have a lot of stories that, you know, were were quite powerful, um, restoring money uh, and resources. Like, how about being on Vision for You while I'm working, right? I mean, that's not what they're paying me for. So, but I also want to put a shout out there for. <clears throat> Like thanks be to God, I'm I'm recovered today, and God continues to show me where I need to be honest. And I don't know how you guys feel, but for me, being honest is directly linked to my abstinence, and I mean my abstinence. If I'm dishonest in any way, God can't get in. And um, there are two big relationships I have, and one of them is my marriage, and I can be very vague. I can be very vague about what I'm spending and just say, oh, you know, I just have a little bit of a problem with, you know, um, buying backup, right? I need to buy backup for my backup. And what I didn't realize is the wall that it was putting between me and my husband. And thanks be to God, like, it just became such a problem and God kept bringing it to my attention through my husband and other things. And finally, thank God, like, I can look him in the eye and talk to him about where the money is going. I track it. I, I take responsibility for it um, because I I am slow to pay. I am slow. I'm 44, but I, I just want someone to come in and take responsibility for me. And the other big relationship is with my dad, right? Like, my dad has felt guilty for my life. Um, since I was born, and he has been easy to manipulate, and I have made many amends. And he said to me each time, you know, I just want you to recover, Katie. I just want you to recover. You know, but at this point in my life, what I've realized is that's not good enough, right? Like, I'm still uncomfortable about the amount of money, the amount of dependency. You know, like, I'm just, again, I don't want to take responsibility. And I think, sure, dad's going to pay for therapy. Sure, dad's going to pay for that doctor. Sure, why not? Right? Oh, I get, get away from that. And I can tell you that in a recovered body today, these are things that I'm still looking at, you know, so I do have past stories of success, but I want to tell you there are also other areas that I can steal, and I'll wrap with this, I can steal people's time, I can not show up for appointments, you know, all of that is money, so I'm just so grateful that I'm never going to arrive, that I'm always going to be a human being and an addict, and that most significantly, I can continue to learn, because learning gets me to God, and uh, I'm grateful to be with all of you today, without a pass. Thank you, Katie. Alexis S., you're up next, followed by Audrey R. Go ahead, Alexis. Thank you. My father taught us that there was no free ride. You know, that um, if one of my brothers passed a car down to me, I'd give the money that it was worth for the car. Whatever we had, we paid for. Um I have my oldest brother. He's been in the hospital now for five months. He's got a lot wrong with him. But um, when I first got divorced from my first husband, he um, lent me $5,000 to buy a car. And um, in those days, you know, in the 80s, that was a lot of money to put down on a car. And I paid back about two, three thousand. He said, Like, that's enough. You don't have to 
give me any more money. You know, you've paid your debt. And um, it taught me a lot about generosity. Um, it feels really good to give to other people, you know, and um, he said, it's my pleasure. And I know what he means now because I've paid him back in many, many ways. I gave him a car for his granddaughter and different uh, pieces of furniture and different, uh, you know, gifts constantly. I'm so grateful for what he did for me. And even though it was a loan, you know, um, I had an outstanding debt on it. And I didn't want to, you know, backslide and uh, take it from him. So uh, my other brother, when my husband, second husband died, um, he paid for the repast. So I've just started to pay back, you know, what I what I would like to, what I think I owe him, and what I feel I owe him and uh, you know it's with a grateful heart so I I I like to give better than to receive it gives me a thrill to give things to my children and you know I'll, I like to um, buy gifts for people and um, especially to my brothers who have been so good to me thank you Thank you, Alexis. And uh, could you tell us the state you're calling from, please? New Jersey. Thank you, Alexis. East Coast. Audrey R., you're up next, followed by Kelly H. Go ahead, Audrey. Thanks, Rick. It's Audrey N. from Ireland. And, yeah, just grateful to be able to get on the meeting today. Thanks for your service, Rick. Yeah, most alcoholics own money, you know. Um, yes, and I did. I, I firmly believe I have addiction of more, you know, I always wanted more of absolutely everything. Um, so whether it was more food at somebody's house, whether it was more food when I was babysitting, uh, working in shops, um, not thinking that my wages was enough. Um, yeah, and it led me to take, it led me to take from people. And um, when I went to my step eight and nine originally, you know, it wasn't as long as, it wasn't as long as maybe it could have been, but as I went through the steps with sponsors, you know, it was un unveiling, you know, those those amends that I needed to make, you know. Um I got a clearer I got a clearer message from my higher power as I went through the program and got that strong spiritual connection. And, you know, the ones that I made to people that I took stuff on them, you know, were the hardest ones to make because it is that, you know, they might tell somebody else and, you know, all of that stuff. But I wasn't going to stay recovered. You know, I was not going to stay recovered unless I made those. Um, and all of the people I've made amends to have, you know, thank God, have all been very understanding, reciprocating that, you know. Um, but I know that if I didn't, I'd be holding on to that. I'd be holding on to that amends um, and eventually I would pick up. Um, I think the biggest one was to a big company I worked for and I kept thinking, you know, if they know, if they use my name, you know, I could lose my job. And, um, you know, it was like, I just need to do it. I just needed to do it. Um, and, it, you know, I had a resentment against institutions that I had to pay tax. And, you know, I got into the self-seeking around poor me and, 
you know, the grace of God now, every year that that tax comes in, you know, I just pay that bill. You know, I pay that bill and I have that peace and serenity around that. I no longer have to avoid creditors. I no longer have to, you know, not open the post or, you know, throw it in the bin and pretend that it never arrived. Um, so anybody on the line, newcomers, you know, most welcome people here. The thing is, is when we get to this step, it asks us again, you know, are you willing to go to any length? And thank God that I was. So, yeah, again, Rick, thanks for your service. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Adrienne. Not sure how I got R out of that, but Adrienne from Ireland. All right, Kelly H., you're up next, followed by Raquel. Go ahead, Kelly. Good morning. Um, This is Kelly H. from North Carolina, and um, I'm grateful um, for your service and grateful for this fellowship. Um, I have to say that this paragraph at first I thought was going to be irrelevant, like kind of nice research, resource information. And um, however, it's kind of um, coincided with some a block that I've had in my morning inventorying and my nightly reviews um, lately have been on the darker side and kind of like not understanding what is going on in my spirit. Um, I just to put some background on it, the last in in 2020, I entered this program with honesty and openness and um, really had a really strong first 14 months in recovery so much so that I wanted to be a professional service, right? Like I thought, well, I'll go back to grad school and get a degree that will be helpful and in service to people just like me. And um, in taking out a student loan, my husband and I agreed, agreed in openness that the money I would take out would be just for school, that the money we had from our current income would be sufficient for all other living expenses. Um, However, when I got the student loan, um, it wasn't very long into it that I went shopping. And I had money for school, but I also had all this extra money. Um, And who would blame me for, you know, running kids around? Um, And oops, I didn't bring my meal with me. So I would eat you know, at the same places. And at first it was salads, but then it became the other thing, the stolen French fry um, from my kids' plates. Um, Also, well, I need to be working out while I'm enduring the stress of my extra studies. So I'm going to go out and buy some very expensive athletic gear. Well, um, the guilt of spending and the guilt of eating generated the need to exercise all the more. And so the cycle tumbled. And I never was even aware of it until this morning when this paragraph came up in the reading that my recovery has totally been waylaid because of my dishonesty. My morning inventory and my nightly review were ineffective as tools because I was not being honest with the amount I was spending from monies that were allocated just for my schooling which were supposed to go towards a professional degree so that I could be helpful to other people. Hello, Metsy. Um, I am just really grateful for the reading of a paragraph that I thought wasn't really going to be effective. So thanks for your service. I have some inventorying to do and a very uncomfortable conversation to have with my husband. 
uh, when he gets back from the business trip. So thankful for everyone's shares and uh, for the way they emboldened me um, to get back into program, starting with honesty. So thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Kelly H. All right, Raquel, you're up next. And uh, please include the uh, first initial of your last name, Raquel. Hi, Rick. Hi, family. Thank you for your service, Rick. What a great meeting this is. And I actually have, and I, I will put the timer on, but um, most of the time it doesn't mean anything to me. So please stop me because the stories are incredible. I um, I have a miracle story to tell. <laughs> when I lived in Boston, <laughs> like towards the end of my ability to work, four jobs and raise four kids alone. I was very tired and I was very much in the food. And this wonderful, wonderful thing happened to me that um, a friend whose mother was grateful to me, I was there in, in Boston and she, uh, the parents of a girl who was my friend were from Detroit. And um, there was a beautiful relationship, and I, and this girl weighed about 300 pounds, and I remember her sitting on the, on the trolley, taking two spots and staring people down, you know, rebellious and all. And God helped me be able to get through to her, but she got very sick, and they had to remove her uh, gallbladder. And here I came to her, and there she was lying on a futon on the floor, and the house, and what? And, and God enabled me to help her. Her mother was so grateful that she took upon herself. It, this was a total miracle. I was on my knees coming back from treatment center, didn't know where the, on earth I'm going to turn. And here she came and she took up on herself, the mother, to pay my rent for that last year that I was in the States and to help me finish my B, poor BA that I finished uh, um, um, uh, 20 years after I started it in Israel and I finished it in Boston. She helped me so beautifully and didn't want anything for it. She was so grateful and she, she told me that she's doing it because her parents didn't let her go to college. They were very religious. So she it makes her excited that she can help somebody finish college. So eternally grateful and kept the beautiful connection. However, when when her husband found out, when my friend's father found out that she gave me that loan, he got furious and he started writing real poison letters and getting lawyers after me. And I decided to go take care of it. And I was already remarried and with other obligations, but I, I went to a friend in Connecticut and I got on a Greyhound bus and my way 24 hours in the winter to Detroit. And a half an hour before I got to Detroit, the daughter called me, my friend, and said, mom doesn't want to see you and you'll have to just fork the money over to me and to my father. Yeah, that was so awful, so awful. I had to go to a rabbi to get his advice and all about how to go to go by it. And um, the end of the story is that I was advised that uh, to just leave it alone and give to charity. And God enabled me recently to pay heavy dental work for my helper who 
that who is destitute and good big money. Almost the whole thing is paid. So God runs his world in miraculous ways. And I, I encourage everybody who is with us to just continue and continue and continue this process because it's God was holding Bill's hand when he was writing. I know it. I know it for a fact. <laughs> I love you all. Take care. Have good recoveries. Goodbye. Thanks so much that you're back with us, Raquel. And, and could you give us the initial of uh, first initial of your last name, Raquel? Yeah, yeah, Raquel E. Thank you so much, Raquel. Thank Glad you. you're Thank here. You. All right. Thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Monday, May 1st, 2023, is 20,210. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Well, Judith SP, please read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, everyone. This is Judith S.P. in Maryland. Grateful to be here. Thank you, Rick, and all for the terrific shares. The book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past, Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.